Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities, adopted disguises, changed our voices so that, well, frankly, so we can stay employed, um, because our bosses would never allow us to bring you our unfiltered, unvarnished, candid views on stocks every week, the way we do. Unscripted also, Vern. Yes, unscripted. Oh, this is entirely spontaneous. Let me me assure you. uh, Which isn't always good, by the way. (laughs) Uh, every week we get together and uh, look for uh, and talk about stock ideas from that week's Value Line Investment Survey. This week we're looking at the issue dated July 18th, 2008. But before we do that, we want to remind you that this is for entertainment purposes only. And Absolutely only entertainment may not purposes. be entertaining. We got to remind you that we may own all of the stocks we're talking about, none of them. I, you know, it's kind of a moving target. Uh, but we have don't may, own them. This we week. may have conflicts in ways that you can only imagine. But uh, I don't have any confidence. Um, and then just to make week. it exciting, we often know nothing about the stocks that we're talking about. Oh, that's so, true. Um, but um, you always get the uh, advantage of our uh, at least professionally biased. Or view. disadvantage. If Whatever. you want to learn more about us, uh, please visit our website, www.thevalueguys.com. Did you mention that sometimes we're impaired by um, no, having I didn't. I was liquid just refreshments that to myself. prior to the show? Like well, we it's Friday. Today. It's after hours, so... Uh, you know, you can imagine half, what we might be doing. In the second half of the show, I'm going to come back with a couple uh, pharma ideas. And uh, this is a uh, this is an interesting combination of industry sectors in this week's value line. We have the drug industry and we have basic chemicals. Now, that makes sense. But I guess because Those we have basic together. chemicals, we also have basic materials and mining. But I'm not sure how to equate that with insurance and human and manpower. You know, so. I've just come to appreciate these uh, these make no sense in terms of I, mean, I guess how that's they're, probably right. But you know, uh, before I do together. that, I'm going to turn the show over for the first half of the show, the exciting energy charged part of the show <laughs> to that captain uh, well, what? corporal of capitalism values. Values. Thank Get you. It? Get it. Vern. Oh, bringing back the old tagline. <laughs> Very nice. It's been a while. No one got it, so I stopped saying that. Okay, well this week got a lot of problems. Uh, you just, probably didn't uh, well, prepare quite as much as no, you I, I'm, I'm not as well prepared as usual. Plus, we just got into a lot of traffic. <laughs> That's only theoretically traffic. possible, of course. A lot of traffic this week, and uh, that makes me a little cranky. Uh, and plus, um, they haven't had the drink. We're not at our normal location, and my uh, typical beverage was not available here. You no, know, it's kind of smoky in here. Did you notice yeah, that? I know. So, I that was anyway, illegal. I do want to say that the market had a little better tone to it this week. Uh, you know, if you were a value guy and if you were starting to edge near your window, this was the week that you, you edged back, edged back a little bit. And uh, it appears that the uh, risk of a comet hitting the financial industry has been uh, stated to be less than we thought. So uh, people have come back from the brink. Uh, there could be some detritus in the comet's yeah, tail of course, that still of knocks course, out The rest of the solar bit. system, there could be, you know, uh, problems. But um, the immediate uh, likelihood of an impact, a direct impact, seems to have been averted. So uh, financials particularly recovered this week. things aren't always what they seem. That's true as well. But in any case, we did get a couple days of respite this week. But if this is really the turn, and I was looking at some data recently, ladies and gentlemen, where when, I mean, the market has been so bad. And, you know, I looked at some data, as I sometimes do. How bad has it been? Well, I don't know. But... There's only been hmm. two other periods in history. Yeah, I know, but okay. uh, I'm, 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 I can't do that. But in any case, only two other periods in history where the market was this bad, 12 months over 12 months, and in both cases, the market ended up being up 
a, a lot, <laughs> and I'll, I'll be a little more specific, 30 to 50% in the following 12 months. So, <clears throat> you know, it appears this is overdone. The statistics, as we talked about last week, for GDP and... Entertainment uh, purposes only. Well, it is. But, you know, all the major numbers are within the zones of where they tend to go in recessions, in terms of retail spending, industrial spending, um, certainly interest rates, money flows, et cetera unemployment, et cetera. So it appears that we may be coming out of this at some point soon, and I got a couple of good stocks for you this week uh, for the eventuality of that happening. What do you think of that, Vern? Were you I'm paying sorry, any were attention? You talking to me? No, I'm sorry. Uh, first up this week, Dow Chemical, D-O-W. I have talked about that uh, name before. And what I like about Dow is, well, first, the valuation. Uh, this stock sheet of value line says 34.94, but I think it's probably up from that. We've had a couple of good days this week, although today was not so good. Five times gross cash flow, nine times free cash flow. So I'm going to look at that at some type of 11% cash on cash return. And they're going to grow, according to value line, uh, <clears throat> well, not so fast. But, you know, mid-single digits. That gives me a 16 17% return. I think it could be better than that near term. This thing is trading at a 40% discount to the average multiple. And when you look back over time... Uh, Dow Chemical? Yeah. 61% of the uh, market PE, it says here. 5% yield. High yield. And I guess looking back, it doesn't often get more valuable than this. But we are likely to have a nice uh, impact over the next year. This company recently had the guts to raise prices 20% in the face of higher feedstock costs. That's on average. I'm sure some yeah. others were up 30 I mean, It's amazing. More. It suggests to me that they've got some stuff that <clears throat> it may not be proprietary in terms of the chemical compounds and all that, which we're reading about in our books, but they must be proprietary in the sense of logistics or local delivery zones, or... Uh, well, or the cost pressure is so severe you don't care how much demand you destroy with your price increase. Well, what they're doing is they're filling in the demand curve. So when you draw a demand curve and you pick the spot, you know, that presumably meets the supply curve, the fact is there's a whole lot of people who'd be willing to pay more than that, but they don't because you have a market-clearing price. As they cut capacity which is the anchor to any price increase, it pushes the supply curve to the left and it raises the price and lowers the quantity on the demand curve. And now, you know, you got a lot of people paying more, but it's a price they're willing to pay. And it could be that in this type of cost environment, those economics are at work. I don't think they're going to have much in terms of capacity additions, which makes this cash flow number very interesting because despite the fact that sales are going up, capital spending per share has been flat over the last three years. I just believe that's got to be part of their strategy. And I have not spoken to them. I don't own this one. But uh, they've also been buying stock back with their cash. They're putting up a low uh, teens return on capital, which is pretty good for a chemical company. Commodity chemicals suggest something proprietary is going on. I think it's in the logistics. And they lever that just a little bit to get to mid-teens return on equity. Scale. They're huge, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, well, scale. Uh, their operating margin is just 10%. So when you have to compete with Dow Chemical and their margin is 10%, guess what? Your margin, if you want to match their price, is going to be 0%. Dick. So you just can't get in there, and they've got some economies of scale on the And then uh, you assets. get the return on excellent asset management yeah. via your reference to logistics. Exactly, right. So according to Value Line, uh, they've got some cost increases, which, 
you know, I think we all know about. Okay, we got it. And they're raising prices. They just did a big acquisition, Roman Haas, which I think oh. historically has got a little better business, a little higher margin, a little more proprietary product mix. And they're going to put them together. Obviously, they'll get economies of scale on distribution and on sales, which maybe goes together. So I really like this thing. Dow Chemical for the recovery, page 1236. I compare it to DuPont, which oh, is interesting. just... interesting. Yeah, Roman Haas is not in this week's issue. It yeah. must be covered as a specialty chemical company. Well, or value maybe Valuelines is uh, not showing it because no, of the supports your view yeah. that... I mean, Value Line doesn't make this stuff up. They tend to mimic what Wall Street does. So you think it's in the specialty? Yeah, I think it probably is a sign of higher multiple. Uh, Dow also has, let's see here, a couple bucks a share in cash. That's not such a big deal, I guess, when the stock's at 34. Um, What else have I got going on here? Oh, I've got DuPont to compare it to, which you may have also heard of. DuPont, uh, Dow Chemical has... uh, you know, company goes back to the American Revolution or something. Well, it? it very well may. You know, they have higher returns on capital. Uh, they have higher operating margins. So, hmm, maybe I should have looked at that one. But the problem I have with Dupont is simply the valuation. It's uh, it's about twice as expensive as Dow on an enterprise value to EBITDA basis. I think both companies are going to be faced with the same upside here in terms of price. A realization in the face of their cost. 33% PE premium for DuPont and um, the yield's four instead of five. Right. So they're just two interesting ones to look at. Anyway, I haven't done a lot of work on that. Okay. Next up this week, Watson Pharmaceuticals, ticker WPI. Uh, You heard of this one, Vern? Don't you talk about this one every three months? Well, I do. I do. I do talk about it. I own it. And here's How's why I'm doing? talking about it. Okay. Uh, medium. Okay. Just medium. It's kind of going along. Sideways? That's not bad. Kind of sideways. Well, here's why we want to talk about it today. Just today, this morning, in fact, Teva, Teva, the Israeli generic drug company, made a bid for Bar Pharmaceuticals. Now, this week's issue shows Bar Pharmaceuticals trading at $44. But guess what? It's trading at $64 because... Teva made this giant bid, $7.6 billion uh, in total value. That's 11 times EBITDA. Now, why would they do that? Why would they do it? Why would they pay such a huge premium for a generic drug manufacturer? The reason they would do it, my friend, is twofold. Yep. One, capacity yep. in generic drugs. Okay. You need plants that the FDA has approved. All right. And more importantly than that, and this might strike you as odd, Vern, but... The FDA, when they come in, it's not only, and this should be maybe worrisome to the listener, mm-hmm. they're worried about the chemical and the safety of the chemicals and you're properly mixing them and yeah. all that, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. you know what they're equally concerned about? What? The labels. You've got, I've, I've toured some of these facilities, you've got to have your labels under lock and key with armed guards. The FDA considers the potential for a label with information about a drug on it to get on something like a Pepsi bottle or whatever to be like a high crime. So you've got so much security around the label. It's like being an aerospace supplier. It's very interesting. High barriers to entry. And, uh, I have a theory there's a little more at work. If if we're seeing the, uh, the death of Big Pharma, if we're seeing the death of... Uh, of uh, research for research's sake. Not not, death. I'm overstating it. I'm just trying to make the point that there's a tremendous amount of pressure on the traditional model. Of course. Yet there's a tremendous amount of pressure to spend more and more on pharmaceuticals. What? 
So the benefit of that spending is likely going to accrue to those who are expert at copying existing formulations. Did you listen to to a past show and just pull that up? No. Let me tell you something, Vern. The demand for drugs is rising with demographics, right? That's pretty obvious. You've got people complaining that drugs are getting too expensive. Well, only drugs are too expensive are the new drugs that come out. Those are the ones that are too expensive. That everybody wants. You have people screaming that no one's inventing new drugs. These things are not compatible. You can't have expensive drugs that are too expensive to buy. And at the same time, no one's inventing any new drugs because when drugs come off patent and they go generic, they go to 50 cents, you know, from, from 10 bucks. So there's no. Makes you wonder if people have any idea how much it costs to get a graduate degree from the kind of school that you have to to go to work at one of these places to toil for years hoping to discover a cure for uh, you know knuckle arthritis or something what listen let me tell you here's what i'm on to demographics really expensive, in other words de- i'm just trying to give the people some real information not our little theories about what's going on okay Pharmaceuticals are growing with GDP and demographics. People, when they get richer, they want to spend more on health. Meantime, things are coming off patent. They're not inventing new drugs. More and more of the drugs available are going to generic. I think what Teva wants is, first, they want assets in other countries that might be more stable and safer. Secondly, they just have a big growth path ahead of them due to the demographics. They're paying 11 times EBITDA. That's, uh, let's call that a what, a 9% cash-on-cash return. And I just read that the uh, generic industry the last 12 months grew at 15%. That's partly share gain because prices here are not growing at 15%, and it's partly just unit growth by the aging of the population. So bar at 11 times, Watson is at seven times. So if you go to 11 times, that's a 30% increase. Uh, this thing stands on its own merits. Four times, uh, four bucks a share in cash flow. It's seven times that number. They don't have a lot of capex because other people invented the drug. They just have to copy it. So you've got a little bit of capex, nine times free. And, uh, you know, their return on capital here is not great, but it's no worse than bar. Uh, they recently did a deal. They bought a little firm uh, called Andrix, so they're rationalizing the cost structure there. That's going to help margin next year. Uh, the company management team is very ROI-driven. The incremental returns over the last three years have been pretty good. They've gone from a 7% return on capital to 85 So that's, uh, you know, what, 20% improvement, something like that, and that's going to continue. And you've got the wind at your back of just demand from the aging population and a big uh, group of drugs that are going to continue to come off patent. So Barr uh, is my benchmark. Watson has about 30% upside if it went to those sorts of multiples, uh, and I think that's uh, likely over time. So Watson, ticker WPI, page 1290. And then finally, how am I doing on time this week, Vern? We okay? My just gut feeling is that you've gone very long, but let me check. Really? Let me take a look at the clock. I could, why don't no, I? No, you're, am you're I all right? a couple minutes. All right. Um, it just seemed that way, I guess. Oh, really? Well, you just, you know, I, I covered, well, I covered oh, this industry, please. so sometimes I just feel the need to, uh, to talk maybe a little bit longer about it because uh, I've had a long history being please involved. Please do. Okay. Uh, Robert Half. 
page 1305. Just calculating some multiples over here. Are you? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I'm going to just try to get back to the idea of giving the people an idea here. Robert Half, RHI, page 1305. Now, you might be saying to yourself, gee, uh, employment down, unemployment up, is this the right time to get involved in a uh, specialized provider of temporary and permanent personnel? And you might say to yourself, no, that doesn't seem like a good thing to do. What I'm going to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, is the trend of outsourcing, looking for uh, employees, is just going to continue. It's time-consuming. It's frustrating. It's not your core competency. So, yes, we are in a little period here where people aren't looking for as many helpers. Mm -hmm. And the stock has been down, though. It's reflecting that. The high was $44 a share in 06. Uh, it's, this thing says 23 so that's down. Meantime, sales per share over that same period are up nearly 50%. Clearly, they continue to get business. They've been buying stock. They're putting up 29% returns on capital. And I just, I've had an experience with Robert Half recently. We're looking uh, in the shop to, to make uh, an addition. And uh, it's, not a, it's an entry-level position. And so we've engaged Robert Half to help us. They've been so professional. They've shown us so many good people. And this is, uh, you know, MBA-level uh, young professionals uh, that I've been real impressed with their performance there. And these guys are putting up great numbers. They have a 10% operating margin, which, as we said earlier, might serve to keep people out of the business competing with them because it's hard to make money when you have to price to a 10% margin. Uh, the fact that business is sluggish is priced in. They're at seven times EBITDA, and in good times, let me look here, they traditionally will sell at a market multiple or better. Right now they're selling at a 15% discount to the market PE. They have $4 million of debt and a billion dollars of equity, and they've got uh, $350 million in cash. <clears throat> That's two bucks a share. So this thing is uh, you know, very well capitalized. Um, we're in a little slowdown, so you get a, you get a little opportunity here. Um, they've got a couple things going on with some businesses they bought overseas not doing as well because we're in a slower period and there's some <laughs> cost pressures and things like that. But even Value Line says oh, they're going to grow earnings at 12%, and I might buy that. You know, I think that's not a terrible number. The outsourcing trend has some room to go here, and I think they'll be involved in that. So... Uh, what else can I tell you here? Uh, not a lot plenty. because I don't I know anything all. else. Yep. But I just think that uh, they're in, in front of some good trends. You have a great price. Robert Half, RHI, page 1305. I want to What? Done already? I've done a little less work than usual this week, Vern. So I just want to, at this point, uh, turn over the uh, mantle of uh, value picks over to you. Vern Value with a modest amount of ado this well, week because you, of the traffic. Thank you, Vern. Vern was the driver. I kept saying, let's turn here. Let's turn here. No, no, we're not turning. Why? I don't know, Vern. Just bullheaded, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why there are a lot of opportunities to turn off anybody, of that traffic. I don't know why anybody would care, but I don't know. You know you're the older one, I guess, wiser. Uh, I'm going to pick up on your Robert Half recommendation at a 15% discount to market. Uh, with one that's at a 30% discount to market. Uh, this stock... Really? Well, I'm, I'm back defending a, a, a stock I've recommended before, Volt Information Sciences, in the same uh, 
what's man? What does um, well they do human resources? Industry. They do uh, engineers, right? Yeah, and that's what I like about it. In a world where there's uh, um, less return for uh, for uh, low skilled uh, labor, you know, I was just reading an article uh, this week, wasn't it, in the paper about uh, you know the uh, the future of stores with no human beings in them? You'll go to information kiosks for every uh, everything you want to know, and you'll pay to get in. That's what I think should be going on. <laughs> Um, Volt Information Sciences, VOL, recently around $12.30 a share, according to Value Line. Um, they apparently split the stock at the end of 2006, three for two, when the stock on a post-split basis was at about $42. So uh, they had a little bit of a come down since then. Mm -hmm. It I seems to me that there's, at this point, whatever was in the stock before is not. Um, there must be some bad stuff in the stock, especially given where the valuation is. Value line's calling for three dollars of gross cash flow, so four times or five times gross cash flow. Mm, I know you're thinking must be a lot of financial risk. Um, debt to capitalization, according to Value Line, four percent. Um, I mean, really, the total debt and cash on the balance sheet almost zero out. So there's really no net debt. Um, company uh, doesn't generate the kind of uh, operating margins Robert Half does. Um, but they've been able to push margins up over the last few years from uh, previous highs under 4% to 4.5% last year. Um, and they've got about a $2.5 billion business, so I think somewhat smaller than the um, company you're looking at. Um, $5 billion here. Okay. Recently trading, uh, like I said, around $12. We're near lows established in 2005 and going into recession in 2001. But the stock on a on a pre on a post split basis traded at half this level at one point in time, um, on a comparable amount of sales per share. But uh, returns, as I mentioned, were not as good as they were then, um, and the um, the business model is more mature, and they have some uh, specific startup costs for new projects that they've been absorbing and will be absorbing, and I can't help but notice that they have some new, uh, well, like I said, they have new projects and a new recruitment processing outsourcing operation they're coming through and they made an acquisition in late 07 and of course that's done nothing to help uh, profitability in the short term so the stock's down about a third i'm guessing well value line says 35 percent since our april report i think i talked about the stock on the yeah, april i have a question though yeah they do engineers yes and is, they do only engineers no it says temporary office and technical personnel so computer people and stuff like that. Probably. What if? But uh, I think also. What if those sorts of people yeah. are no longer going to work in the United States? That that's all going to India and China. Well, how problem, would that company be in that, that circumstance? What's happening is that inflation is rapidly changing the labor differentials abroad versus here, and a lot of companies are reevaluating whether they want to to be offshoring a variety of different kinds of operations and installations when they're looking at demands for 15, 20, 25 percent um, uh, labor cost increases in those countries, uh, leveraged by the, uh, uh, by the um, what? The weaker value of the dollar. So um, I, I'm not so sure. You're right. The trend's been there. 
Uh, it's been an issue. I, I, I'm looking at uh, Aberdeen and Royce both own 6% of the company. I have a lot of respect for both organizations. You know, I noticed they own um, Hydric and Struggles. They I, do not own Robert Hanna. I tried to come down to a uh, – I tried to come up with a bottom, kind of a low-risk cash flow number because Value Line is looking for 330 to go to 290 and 08 and then back to 340 and 09. I'm guessing that's too optimistic. The market seems to be saying that that's wildly optimistic. I could see maybe a dollar sixty at the bottom, a dollar and a half. Uh, with a stock at twelve, you're talking what around eight times um, a trough cash flow multiple for a completely unleveraged leader in providing temporary, technical, highly skilled labor in an environment where they might be uh, a, a more rapid recovery in that market than investors would be counting on. A lot of bad news in the stock. Take a look at VOL. Um, I, you know, I liked it at 16, I guess. This whole group is cheap. This whole group is cheap. And then I'm going to shift to uh, a couple uh, plays on the reason I interjected before when you were talking, uh, mm. generics, because ah. I found a couple other pharma names that I thought really? were interesting. Okay. One of them being Mylan Inc., the former Mylan Labs, symbol is MYL, that Value Line. Now, they bought somebody uh, themselves a few years ago. unclear to me, have uh, suspended the rating as of May of last year, so they don't rate it. And um, the stock recently at around, again, $12. In fact, the value line shows the exact same price to the penny as they do for Volt, $12.29. Um, apparently traded to $10 earlier this year. Um, the peak was 2003 at $29, basically. We're at uh, stock price levels that haven't been seen since immediately post-recession. And guess what, folks? At that time, revenues were $1.2 billion. This year, expected to be $4.6. On a per-share basis, companies almost four times larger, yet has a stock price at, uh, at the trough level from uh, – the last economic well, Milan downturn. does some branded stuff. And yeah, I think so here's the problem. Doing so well, well, that's the right. problem. They apparently made a big acquisition in the branded space, something mm. called Day D E Y. Now I don't I don't know this story, right? This is the you know warning warning. Uh, may not know anything about what we're talking, but um, they apparently were counting on the uh, uh, the success of a particular mainstay drug, which faltered, and now they're trying to sell the business. Uh, <laughs> According to Value Line, vigorously trying, so they must have been very open about this. Value Line thinks they can get about $900 million for it. I don't know where that number comes from, but I do see that long term debt went from about a billion six at the end of 06 to 4.7 billion at the end of 07. So I'll just speculate that they paid about 3 billion for this unless there were other acquisitions. And there have been other acquisitions. They acquired Merck's generic business which gave them expansion in Australia, Central and Eastern Europe, and Japan. And they also consummated majority ownership of Matrix Labs, the second largest active pharmaceutical ingredient manufacturer in the world, with 165 different APIs on the market or under development. And because of these moves that they've made, they now have a, a total of over 250 regulatory applications awaiting approval with about 80 generic drug submissions pending FDA review. So a lot of things happening here that could directly affect top-line prospects over the next several years. According to Value Line, um, the, uh, the, the um, generic drug submissions in the U.S. reflect branded drug sales totaling $58 billion. So, I mean, even if, even if the generic opportunity were only a tenth of that, You'd be talking about a $6 billion market opportunity that they've got uh, pending applications on, and it's only a $4 billion or $5 billion revenue company today. 
So this uh, this appears to have some very interesting upside. My guess is stock uh, you know beat up a lot for diverting from their uh, long held strategy of being a leader in prescription generics. <laughs> According to Value Line, mostly antibiotics. Well, and uh, blowing up shareholder value. Right. But well, and, and sure they should be in the doghouse. That gives me pause. Absolutely. To your point about uh, worth eleven times EBITDA based on bar, Mylan's actually trading around that right now. But they, they're there with a 2% return on capital and a 16% operating margin instead of the 35 and 40s they've seen in the past See, the in problem, terms of margins. If you, here, if you have a drug that's been approved and you have a patent, you have a reasonably long annuity on that. It eventually goes away, but it's very valuable in the early years. A generic, if you get that going, you've got about six months of exclusivity before the FDA opens it up to everyone else. So you're never going to have a big edge in the manufacturing. You just will for six months. You've got to have an edge in distribution. Well, and so that's why you're seeing a big you consolidation. Wanna, I think right you want to own these companies when they have a, an opportunity to surge revenue with yes. a, a, you know, a more concentrated than usual wave of new products hitting the market. Yes. And management would appear to agree. Um, according to Value Line, insider decisions, um, nine buyers in March, when it looks like the stock traded between January, February, March, between perhaps 10 and $12, the current stock currently at 12 Been no sellers in the last 12 months. There are also some buyers last August when the stock was looks like maybe thirteen to fifteen dollars. So um, we like this. I, I we, we mean I, you. I, I'm sorry, I fell you. back into. I like habits, Watson better. I think this looks Pure very generic. very interesting in terms of valuation. Might be twelve times cash flow. Might be eleven times EBITDA. But I'm going to say it's more like seven times normalized cash flow and six times normalized you know EBITDA. My company here, it's in a doghouse. Uh, Take advantage well, of fear and Wait a minute. I, I just want to make a point. for My company, yeah. Watson, mm-hmm. which could beat the crap out of your company, I just want to say. I don't know. My, has my a, pretty uh, heavy. No, we have a joint venture revenue? with your company. What's your revenue? Uh, $2.5 billion. $4.6 billion, see? Yeah, but part yeah. of that's going away. We have a joint here. venture with you. Yeah. And I think it's due to our our skill out? set. No, no, no. no it's uh, we have a different joint venture. Anyway, this is the better company. It's got more generic. That's all I want to say. Watson. Right. And you don't have the risk associated with what are they going to get for this thing that they must have paid a couple billion for a billion? I don't know, but uh, it, they're taking a loss on it and uh, taking advantage of them being in the doghouse. The other one that I no have, likey that one. I, and I've never heard of this company. The symbol is MRX. I think it's. Medicis Pharmaceutical Corp. Prescription and non-prescription products to treat dermatological conditions. Four-part growth strategy. Expanding sales of existing brands. Launching new products from intensive R&D. Boy, this sounds very original, doesn't it? Acquiring complementary products and collaborating with other companies. Well, that would cover the waterfront, wouldn't it? Um, They sell to wholesalers. Uh, BlackRock owns 11%. Capri, 9%. Somebody else I've never heard of owns a big piece of it. The market cap is about a billion dollars, but they have about $3 of net free cash on the balance sheet. So stock recently at 19, maybe more like 16. That's about eight times gross cash flow right now. Virtually no CapEx associated with this company, and they must farm out a lot of the actual manufacturing. Um, The stock at uh, 19 matches Lowe's. Uh, since, well, 1999. So back when the company had $116 million in revenue instead of $500 million in revenue, 
$2 per share instead of $8 per share of revenue. It was the last time you saw a stock price like this. Um, returns here are, have, are down significantly from the days of 45% kind of average to more like 25 uh, Maybe that neutralizes some of that apparent discount on the sales line. Return on capital, though, the transformation or whatever they've done has been working because they used to generate 8 to 10% return on capital, and recently 11 in value line thinks they can go to 13. Something good, Jay. So there's something good going on here. Um, here they've made an acquisition. I had to adjust. What I told you about the $3 of free cash is after adjusting for $150 million they paid out of cash to buy something called Liposonics, which uh, they think is going to have some very interesting products hitting the market by 2011. So significant investment and growth. Uh, to the extent they overpaid, I don't know, but it must be in the stock with it down so much. Yet, it, it, you know, clearly not much financial risk. doesn't appear to be from the leverage, et cetera. Hmm. And the uh, enterprise value multiple that you were talking about, 11 yes, on bar, 7.5 here at Metasys. What did they do? They, uh, this is the acquisition that Value Line had the report from April. That's how I knew it was not in the March balance sheet. Uh, so take a look at this one. I think it was really yeah. interesting. Um, Metasys MRX is the symbol. I've got Mylan. I've got Volt. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Metasys. Don't do it. Metasys oh, is okay. my favorite idea of the you three. Do, what Metasys? Yeah, I've never heard of it. MRX. That would scare me. Your favorite me. idea is. Uh, Please don't say Dow Chemical. Watson. Thank you. Obvious. We'll be back next week.